BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hi, welcome to the Let It Fly show. I am Michael Severe. My partner, Josh Jones, is a little ill today under the weather. So it's just me, but we're going to have a great show. we got a good guest lineup as well. And of course, we are inside and recording the Let It Fly Sports Bar in the Capital District, downtown Omaha. If you want an elevated experience when it comes to a sports bar, you want the best TVs, the best food, the best drinks, the best wait staff atmosphere, this is the place to come and check it out. It is outstanding. And we're going to talk about what I have in front of me in just a second. But it's a busy weekend. You want to tell you what's going on Let It Fly. Friday night, we're recording this on a Thursday. Friday night, you have Creighton Women's Basketball against South Dakota. At Creighton Volleyball against Seton Hall, that's at 5 p.m. And then Saturday, it's loaded. You know, you got college ball going on all day. You got college ball watch parties. Come out early in the morning. Nebraska starts at 11 a.m. against Maryland. We're going to do a preview of Maryland coming up in a little while. Of course, win that game, and Nebraska is bowl eligible. Lose that game, and people will be sad. Creighton men's basketball, that's at 1 p.m. against NDSU. And then Creighton Volleyball at St. John's, that is at 4 o'clock. And then Sunday is always fun in here. If you haven't come to the Let It Fly Sports Bar on a Sunday to watch the NFL, you're missing out. All the TVs, you got people here playing fantasy football. You got other people that are, you know, doing some betting. You got all that going on, and you can come here and have a good time. Also with the NFL Watch Party, Nebraska Volleyball versus Illinois at 2. And then, of course, brunch is from 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. on the weekend. The menu is amazing. And just to point that out, we have the fried chicken sandwich in front of me right now with the hot honey. If you haven't had Mike's hot honey, it is incredible. I'm going to cut this because I'm going to eat it afterwards. It's going to be cold, but I'm going to eat it. cut it here. And so what it has is it's the fried chicken bread patty and you have coleslaw on this great bun and then the mike's hot honey on there as well it is it's it's messy let's just say it hold on yep it's messy and it's delicious um and of course it comes with the fries as well it's 16 bucks it's a good size sandwich a lot of fries as well and the mike's hot honey just tops it all off so be sure to come out and check that out on the show this week we are going to have the head basketball coach for women's basketball at Creighton, Jim Flannery, will join us. And one of their best players, Emma Ronsek, will join us as well. We actually talked to her. I believe she was in with us when we were doing the three-on-three preview way back when we were before we got in this studio, and we chatted with her, and they ended up winning that three-on-three, three and so we'll talk to her about that and get into much more. Let's talk about a little college basketball before we get into the football stuff. So Creighton plays their opening game against Florida A&M, the Rattlers. Meg was there, said it was incredible. Um, when you score that many points, when you go 105 to 51, you had a good day. But it was really a good day for a couple of guys. One, Ryan Kochbrenner, who got his 200th block of his career, which is pretty impressive. If you really want to talk impressive, though, the record at, number, at uh, Creighton is Benoit Benjamin. He has over 400 of them. Okay, think about that. Ryan Kochbrenner's played almost every year of his career, right? He's in his senior year now. And what? He's got 200, which is great. Benoit Benjamin had over 400 while he was here at Nebraska. It's incredible. Um, Trey Alexander also had a game-high 20 points, and it was the Jays' 29th straight 
opening home victory. So good for him. Steve Ashworth, 17 points, 5 of 7 from 3. He had a great day as well. The Jays overall just shot incredible. When you're shooting over 50% from the floor and about 46% from 3, you're going to have a great game like that. These three games leading up to that game against Iowa next Thursday, next Tuesday, next Tuesday against Iowa is going to get them ready to be able to get into this eventual conference slate. But that game against Iowa coming up next Tuesday is going to be awesome. And then Nebraska men, they played Lindenwood. And as we're taping this, it's a Thursday again. Nebraska's actually going to play Florida A&M. So we're going to have a chance to kind of do a comparison how Creighton did against Florida A&M and then how Nebraska did against Florida A&M as well. But they played Lindenwood. The Huskers won 84 to 52. Um, Rink Mass, CJ Wilcher, and Bryce Williams all had 13 points. They did not lead the team in scoring, though. The son of the head coach, led Sam Hoiberg, had 15 points, and Josiah Ellick, who transferred from New Mexico, he also had 13 as well. It was a um, it's the kind of game you play, right? They, they shot okay. They played some really good defense. But this is just getting you ready. Your rotation, get everybody healthy, of course. Uh, Tominaga's not healthy yet. He's still coming off of that twist ankle. So he'll be um, getting in the lineup very soon. All right, so Nebraska plays Maryland on Saturday at 11 a.m. And a couple things about Maryland, right? Um, they go up-tempo, which makes it very difficult on a defense. Uh, they've got a quarterback in Tungavailoa that can get out of the pocket, that can stay in the pocket, that can make all the throws. They've thrown the ball more than anybody in the Big Ten. They have more attempts and completions than anybody in the Big Ten. They're second in touchdowns, passing touchdowns. They're second in completion rate. They're second in almost everything when it comes to passing. But they're very efficient. Now, they don't run the ball great. As a matter of fact, in the run game, since the conference play has started, they actually haven't been good at all. Um, their leading rusher, who was averaging about 4.7 during non-conference, now is averaging 3.7, so a full y- yard less than he was averaging when he was in non-conference. It shows you how difficult it can be to run the ball in the Big Ten. Lots of wide receiver screens. Be prepared to see wide receiver screens left and right. And the, the key to that is Nebraska beating that block, right? So you're going to have two wide receivers out there. You beat that block. You make the tackle for loss or no gain. If you don't beat that block, that play could go 10, 15, 20 yards to go to the house. So that's got to happen as well. Matt Rule talked a lot about that today uh, in the press conference he had on Thursday about the tempo, dealing with that and dealing with the way Tungavailoa throws at different angles and gets the ball out of his hands. Big key, though, and we'll talk about this later when we get to the keys, is you can't allow him to step up in the pocket. If he climbs the pocket, he's always got his eyes downfield. He climbs the pocket, he's going to beat you. You've got to have a good rush up the middle. And the last couple of weeks, it's been that way. Uh, they've been sacked 12 times in the last two weeks. Northwestern got him for six, and Penn State got him for six. Um, and three the week before that as well. So um, yeah, Illinois as well. So you got... You got a team that's given a lot of sacks recently, and Nebraska's got to do that. Um, their offense haven't fumbled the ball a ton, but they do have uh, seven interceptions. Um, as I mentioned, second best passing offense in the Big Ten, um, most completes, most uh, attempts, all of those. Big play wise, not shocking. Their big plays come by the way of the pass, right? That's what they do. They throw the ball. A lot of those. Um, I mentioned they allowed the twelve sacks in the last two weeks. Before that, they had only allowed eight. Now they're at 20, so it shows you what they're doing right now. Third most first downs in the Big Ten, they do a lot of that. Their defense is a 3-4 set, usually with three hands down on the, you know, they have three guys up front, and then their linebackers, one will step up normally and be the fourth guy on the line. That's what happens a lot. They're allowing 23.8 points a game, and they are tied for third most in sacks, right behind Nebraska, actually. They have 27. Nebraska has 28. Um, 13th and pass defended, so... 
Nebraska played a really poor pass defense last week, right, in Michigan State, and couldn't capitalize. The team they're playing this week is as bad, or in some places, depending on what the stats you're looking at, even worse. But Nebraska couldn't take advantage of it last week. We'll see if they can. And then before we get to our guests, special teams-wise, Brandon Wislowski is their kickoff returner. I am the executive director of the Jet Award. We give out the award for the best, most outstanding kickoff returner or punt returner every year. This is a guy who early in the season had a long kickoff return for 98 yards, has had a 34-yard one twice. He has just missed breaking it long. And so that's something Nebraska's got to worry about. They don't get a whole lot of kickoffs for touchbacks. So this guy's going to get his opportunities to return it. And when that happens, Nebraska's got to play excellent return coverage because he could go all the way. That's going to be a big part of the game. and It'll probably be in our um, keys later as well. As I mentioned, coming up on the show, Jim Flannery will join us, the head basketball coach for the women at Creighton, and one of their best players in Moransek, who is one of the best high school players to ever come out of her small town. We'll talk to her about that. We'll talk about the season coming up and everything when we come back here on the Let It Fly Show. joining us as well talk more about the season and everything how you guys doing really good yeah everything good mm-hmm. just finished a easy practice right yeah Emma? it was pretty easy what's the difference between an easy practice and a hard practice uh length of time and just how much up and down you did we didn't do any up and down we just yeah we play it tomorrow morning so yeah. didn't want to didn't want to get on their legs too much tonight today yeah. i remember when we first joined the big first joined the big east one of the big concerns was all the travel yeah how you guys were going to handle that have they figured all that out for you um no adding UConn made it more complicated because we were when we were at 10 teams in on the women's side we were playing Fridays and Sundays we had a travel partner and for us as the western outlier it was probably the most advantageous that it could be um but then you throw UConn in now you can't really do that travel partner schedule so we've done some Wednesdays and Saturdays but we actually have uh, we're going to 18 conference games instead of 20, which we'd been at 20. Um, and we actually have of our nine road games, uh, th- three times we're going to we're going to play twice when we're on the road, which is good because if you're out there, you might as well play two. So six of our nine games will be part of a road trip. Do you bring like a tutor along or somebody to help? Do you need that when you're going? You're only gone for three days, right? Yeah, I would say our team is pretty good at handling road situations, being yeah. gone from school long periods of time. Um, but Lisa Chips, she's one of the academic advisors at Creighton, so she'll sometimes tag along. Yeah. But for the most part, I think we're responsible enough to handle our homework on the road. They have two valedictorians on the team, right? One of them that I know well. Yeah. And then the other, and I think four, based on what I read, that finished with 4.0s. Wow. So you guys are fine. Yeah. <laughs> we have to tell him to stop studying. <laughs> Too much. How was your off- I mean, I, we know last time we talked, you were getting ready to go to the three on three. Mm-hmm. 
You guys went and won that with your teammates. What was that like? What was the offseason like for you? Yeah, the offseason summer was great. Just being able to be in Omaha, practicing, working out, and then getting to know um, we only had one new kid on the team, so Michaela, just yeah. getting to know Michaela, um, bonding, and then the four of us went out to Colorado and won that. I don't think a lot of us had doubt that we weren't going to do well at that tournament just because of the way that us four play basketball together. We've been playing for four years and then Lauren three, so it was just a really fun summer, and I'm glad that we all had that experience back at Colorado. How do you think that helped airplay as teammates going out and doing that together? Yeah, well, anytime you get to spend time together and, and coach yourself, I think that was a big thing, too, is like, they're, you know, we're not there telling them what to do. They, they know how to play, which is great. And I think it's a, there's a confidence in, in that piece of it, too. Like, here we are by ourselves, and we, we figured it out how to win. And I mean, they got, we, we brought in somebody to work with them a couple different times, so they kind of had an idea on what the best strategies for three-on-three three are. But, yeah, like Emma said, I mean, they're built for that because they can all make threes and, yeah. and they can interchangeably, they can kind of guard different positions. And so I wasn't surprised uh, either that they were successful. And then Emma's too humble, but she also was out in Colorado Springs yeah. for the Ameris Cup tryouts like a week later. Yeah. So she got her fill at Colorado Springs. I grew up with, um, with five sisters, so I always tell people there's nothing more competitive they're on the same age. Um, I believe Morgan won the MVP. Yeah. Did, did you get robbed? No. I think I played well, but Morgan okay. definitely deserved really? that. Yeah, okay. she no no doubt deserved that. Yeah, that's pretty awesome. By the way, Michaela is the other val valedictorian, the freshman. She's the yep. valedictorian out of the two valedictorians on the team. Um, let's talk about Cancun. Uh, you're going to be going there. I know it's a business trip. How much fun are you going to have? <laughs> Um, I'm really excited. I'm excited okay. to go to the beach. Um, just being a senior and then having such a, like a fun trip planned for your um, one of your final years is just something that you've kind of like been building up for. Yeah. And then my family's going to be there. My little oh, sister wow. won't be able to come, but my yeah. brother, parents, I know a lot of family members are going to be there. But we are going to play really, or two really good teams yeah. there, so we got to lock in for those. But then hopefully we can have a little bit of fun outside of that. Yeah. But yeah, we're all really excited for it. <laughs> Pre-tan. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true, yeah. We all need to get our base layers down before, or else we're just going to come back red. Exactly. Coach, tell us about Georgia Tech and Michigan State, the two teams you're well, I, Michigan State's got, yeah, Michigan State's got a new coach, so, and it wasn't that their coach got fired. She, their old coach had some health issues. She's oh. mid-50s, and so she stepped away. Mm -hmm. uh, they hired a coach who'd done a really good job at Bowling Green, and, uh, we actually played them, uh, it would have been Emma's freshman year in the NIT, but Emma was out for COVID reasons, yeah. so Emma didn't play against Fresh. them. <laughs> um, yeah. uh, but uh, so she'll do a good job there. I mean, they lost some kids, but they'll, they'll, be, they'll be solid. Uh, they, I know they have good guard play. And then Georgia Tech uh, is, uh, you know, a couple of years removed from a really good run. They had, they had a Sweet 16 appearance and then another NCAA tournament tournament appearance but then last year kind of took a step backwards so historically they're a bigger team uh don't shoot as many threes so it'll be probably two contrasting styles and you only have 24 hours in between games so not a lot of prep so and then we play nebraska right before we go there so um it'll be quick turnarounds but that's kind of what you get in the non-con is you you don't you you have a, a stretch where you just don't have a lot of time and so like emma said we got to be business but then we'll also have some fun what's that rivalry 
Yeah, it's always, especially coming in as a freshman, I never really had, like, a Nebraska, like, I never really had that mindset of rivalry, but then once you start playing them and you play them for the first time, you kind of understand that it is, like, a blue versus red kind of game, and it's just, it's a really fun game to play because they're a really talented team, and it's cool to be a part of that such experience, and I'm excited to get back to their place um, this year because two years ago we did not have the best showing at their place, so, yeah, it's, it's always a good game playing them. Uh, <laughs> should we? Yeah, maybe. Maybe, yeah, yeah. It'll be. It'll be fun. Yeah, we missed a ton of free throws that game. You remember how many? I yeah, mean, I went and to we the still line, almost, I was like one for two every and, time. <laughs> <laughs> and we still almost won. So it'll be it'll be a good game. There'll be there'll be some juice in the building. I feel like it'll be, um, it'll be you know, and and like Emma said, this is the last go round. So you you know, I, I feel like our seniors will be ready to go. Right. Another senior. Yeah. You only the one true freshman. Have you ever had this much leadership, veteran leadership? Uh, not really. <laughs> no. <laughs> it's 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 awesome. I mean, I feel like they're, you know, you got you worry a little about boring them through the fall. I think now the games are here. I think right. they're they probably. I'm I'm sure Emma could speak to that. But like you know, you just we actually put in a zone which we haven't played zone really hardly in any time in my 21 <laughs> years. But. Um, it's just a standard two, three. I mean, I don't want to give too much away, but, but yeah, but, uh, but we have length. And so, but part of the reason we put it in too, is we wanted our players to, to not be too bored throughout the preseason, you know, because otherwise everything becomes, oh, we've done this three years. And so, but I do think it can be something that we can use uh, occasionally. Is it at the point now where, I mean, you're like sisters, you know where they're going to be on the court, you know everything about them. Yeah, it's pretty fluid, our offense. Especially it has been for the past like four years that I've been here. But this year it just feels a little different because we have been playing with each other for so long and we are such good friends off the court that the chemistry on the court is kind of just like – it's just really cool watching us play and just being a part of such a intense offense just because we always – know where we're at we always know um what's going we do occasionally mess up a few times i'm not going to say that we don't but it's just really cool offense to be a part of you i mentioned 22 years you've been doing this the growth of the women's game has been incredible last year yeah. all the records were set final four the semifinals thoughts on that on what you're seeing in terms of the growth of the game over the last couple of years yeah i think it, it it's exciting because as long as I've been in the game, it felt like you were one step forward, one step back, or two forward, one and a half back. Like we couldn't, as a sport, we didn't grab as much momentum as you wanted. Uh, but I really feel like it's it's kind of flipped. And I think part of that is that women's players stay in the game, yeah. in the college game for four and five years. So people get to know the names Aaliyah Boston and you know Cameron Brink and Caitlin Clark and Angel Reese, whereas on the men's side, the really good the really good ones are gone after a year. So there's there's more notoriety. There's a, there's maybe a greater feeling of attachment that fan bases have, um, and then even nationally, those 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 names play better because, you know, on the men's side, it's okay. There's a Hunter Dickinson, or right. you know, there's a few of those four year kids, but there aren't very many. So I think that's gonna that's gonna help the women's game going forward. Is somebody like Emma or Morgan who. Yeah has been a really good player for, you know, I mean, I, Gino's like, when are those guys going to graduate? You know, um, as if he needs, yeah. as if he needs yeah. that to, to happen. But uh, 
I do think it's that's a that's a great thing in the women's game. I covered Louisiana Tech long before you were born in the '90s, and they were really good. Mm-hmm. And when I talked to their players, and I'd say, "Well, who do you build your game after?" They would always talk about a male basketball player because the women's game wasn't as big. When I talk, when I ask you that question, who do you look up to in terms of? Yeah, I feel like I have kind of a unique perspective on that just because I'm not, like, I have a really good balance between basketball and, like, my social life, and I don't, when I'm on the court, I mean business, but then when I'm off the court, I don't really watch or, like, yeah, so I'm not a huge, yeah, I'm not really into WNBA, NBA, I know Petra Knight, our athletic trainer, I'll, like, go in for treatment, and she just starts talking about the WNBA, and she's naming these names, and I'm just like, yep. Like, I wish I knew um, more, but I just don't really have a favorite player. I kind of just, I kind of lock in when I'm on the court and then off the court. I just like to keep things separate. Has that been, because I've noticed that with some of the football high school players we interview, they say, oh, I don't watch the game, really. <laughs> besides playing Madden or whatever. Yeah, it's it's person to person. I feel yeah. like we have some people who who watch a lot off the court and, <laughs> and those who don't. It's, you know, like... Emma's a really good player without having had to do that, so it's fine. <laughs> um, and, and I've coached, I've coached both types. Coach types who they want to watch as much basketball on TV, and then others who, hey, when when practice is over, I, I I'm going to the other parts of my life. Coach Flan joining us, Maronsek joining us. I want to ask about this, <laughs> and we'll post the picture up. It is it is the media guy, mm-hmm. and it is it is shot amazingly, and all you look great, and the lighting is perfect. Who was the one that was hardest to hold together? I'm guessing there was a lot of laughter. Yeah. <laughs> a serious picture. But I'm imagining that some people may have laughed too much. Yeah, I feel like Brittany's always um, a person who can't take this stuff very seriously. Molly. Okay. Myself, probably. I think we all have yeah. our have our opportunities to take things like this not very seriously. <laughs> yeah. But then we get something like this, and then we just got to roll with it. We can't take yeah. – it's a one-take wonder, and that's it. How much work did you put in? Uh-huh. This, was, this is forever. Yeah. When you're on this, it's forever. And it's <laughs> never going anywhere. Yeah, I think some of us more than others. Oh, okay. Point somebody out. Who do you think did? I mean, her hair is looking great. Yeah, I think Mal yeah. curled her hair. Yeah, curl. I straightened mine. Yeah. Where's Coach? I don't know. They, didn't, uh, they weren't a part of this. They wasn't a part of this. No. Yeah. It's amazing. The landscape, yeah. the city behind you guys. It's, where, what building, where were you standing? We were in the soccer stadium. Uh, so on those like stairs, face, yeah. And they like hung out, hung up some lights. Yeah, yeah, it was actually a really cool setup. It looks awesome. We'll yeah. post the picture when we when we actually put up the podcast. I thought that was pretty cool. And uh, I can tell you, I, I guarantee you, when you have that serious, people are gonna be laughing. Yeah, no, we can't really do the serious pictures very yeah, well. I believe that. Tell me the best thing about playing for Coach Flynn. Oh my, there's a lot. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> Um, I think the best thing is just the balance on and off the court because you have to have a coach that does a really good job on the court with the balance and just being able to take it seriously, getting on you when he needs to get on you, but then also praising you when you do something well. But then off the court, I think that balance of friendship and like respect and just being like that earned over the four years and even like the first year that I was here. So I think, especially in coaches nowadays, I don't think you see the like, respect on the court and then that translates off the court like i think it's you have respect for them off the court and you don't really like them off or vice versa right. but like with flan you have that friendship off the court but then you have that like role model coach who does really well on the court and who you respect and you want to listen to and you want to learn from 
So I think that's kind of unheard of today and like a lot of coaches just because it's kind of diverse and you just want to be one or the other, but Flan's both. And I think that's something that we've all learned to really respect. I'm probably going to mess up this quote, but it's something like they don't care what you know until they know how much you care. Yeah. you got to believe in that philosophy. Yeah, I mean, I think it, and, and it gets harder when you get older because – uh, you know, I, there's fewer things in common that I have as in, you know, when I was in my 20s, yeah, I, when I was in my twenties and thirties, I was probably a little bit more able to connect. Um, and that's, um, uh, 10 and 14. So there, yeah, I know. I should have just, I don't know. Yeah. But, uh, but no, I think it's, I think it's important. And, uh, I think especially with females, I think is, um, like Emma talked about, I mean, there's, they have, they're, they're not all projecting that they're going to the NBA. So it isn't just about all basketball. So yeah. they want, they want you to care about, you know, their family and the other things that in their life. So I ask him about her boyfriend a lot, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, and usually get the same answer. Um, but I think, I think it's important, especially with, with women. Yeah. Well, even, so coach Leon Bormar was at Louisiana Tech. Yeah. Was coach when I was covering yeah. them. And he'd always say it was, he thought it was to get the women's game to focus. He said the girls to focus back yeah. then, but yeah. he said to get them to focus. He thought it was actually easier because sometimes, especially at that age for guys, it's hard to get them directed in the right direction. <laughs> yeah. Do you buy that at all? And the, uh, I think... Maturity too. Yeah, I, there's definitely a maturity thing. Not that there aren't college-age men who are mature, but there's probably fewer, a, a lower percentage. <laughs> most most of us... Most of us mid to late twenties, if we're if we're lucky. Sure. I mean, I as I look back, uh, and uh, but yeah, I think they're I think they're hungry to learn, and I think there's maybe just a little bit less. Hey, I already know that. Oh yeah. You know, whereas I think with guys, it's I already know that. You don't need to tell me that. Right. I mean, I see that with my starting to see that with my fourteen year old. Yeah, there was obviously. <laughs> <laughs> Well, she's super versatile. Uh, she's super high IQ. I, I don't think she probably gets credit for being, she gets credit for being skilled, but I think she's super high IQ at both ends. Like she's a really good communicator defensively. Um, and she's played a lot, which helps her, right? The experience level, but she knows where people should be. She's not afraid to point out where they should be, which is good. I, I, you want that from, from inside the team because if it's always from the coach, Again, they can tune that out a little, but if it comes from a good place from a teammate, I think that's that's more impactful a lot of times. And then, um, yeah, I heard just just her skill set offensively. I mean, she's she played a lot of guard in high school, so we can invert and play her at the guard, and that takes pressure off of our guards because she can bring the ball up the floor against somebody bigger, and you know, because our guards are medium speed. We don't have anybody who's lightning with the ball. So just to start your offense sometimes with, with them is great. And uh, yeah, she's just multi-skilled. Um, and uh, she's, and, and, the, and the final thing is she's, she's a competitor. She wants to win. <laughs> um, and I, I think you, you know, the longer you're around her, the more you see that. And, you know, I know she, you know, you talked about Morgan earlier, but like those two in practice, you know, we just got out of practice and, 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 it's, and it's good and bad, right? They've had to guard each other in practice for four years. And so there's times where they get a little bit, you know, I mean, they're great once practice is over, but it's, it's hard to guard the same person in practice day after day after day. 
and not occasionally, you know, just be, you know, like, mm -hmm. wow, would you just get off me? <laughs> <laughs> but she's competitive. Yeah. yeah. You mentioned uh, the peer-to-peer -peer mentoring. When Coach Mack was here, he talked about how Stephen Ashworth was really good at doing that. Mm -hmm. But it's a balance, right? You can't necessarily get, you know, get anybody mad. Can yeah. you talk about doing that, the peer-to-peer -peer mentoring or criticism? Yeah, I feel like it's definitely more apparent on this year's team just because we do have six seniors. And I think the underclassmen um, can pick and choose what senior they want to listen to or what style they want to listen to, which I think is also something really special because I have a hard time um, finding the balance of getting on them, but also like understanding that they don't, they haven't been here as long as I have. They haven't been here as long as seniors have. But then, like, Molly and Jamie, they do a really good job at bringing them back together and just, like, making them feel like the mistake wasn't. So, like, I just think finding the balance in that, and it doesn't have to be just within yourself. It can be within, like, other people on the team because I know I have a very difficult time finding the balance sometimes. Yeah. I would like to say I'm good off the court, but on the court I can sometimes get lost in the competitive aspect of the game. And just having different seniors with different styles of leadership is, I think, is something really helpful. Is there any good cop, bad cop? Like, you're the, the, maybe the bad cop? Maybe <laughs> <laughs> comes over and maybe handles that a little bit? Yeah, I think there's definitely good cop, bad cop. I think sometimes Flan can be the yeah, bad cop right. and then mm -hmm. one of us can be the good cop, just, like, reassuring them that it's okay. Um, but, yeah, I just think having six seniors plus the coaching staff is something that the underclassmen can learn from, but then we can also just keep learning from them and just realize that it's just a game. Take it a little easy. Sure. Yeah. You have a degree in philosophy. I do, yep. What does it help you more in, coaching or recruiting? Ooh, I think coaching. Because uh, recruiting is, is so much of it nowadays is sales, and I think that's um, – there's parts I like about recruiting, but there, I'm sure you've talked to enough coaches that the, at the end of the day – you know, it, it, it in some ways becomes really about selling something and, you know, I've JFK, right? So yeah. it used to be what they could do for the universe. Like, what can yeah. you do for me now? Yeah, yeah. And I think uh, the it kids, yeah, for sure. And, and the players we recruit are, are, are by and large good kids, good families. It's not, it's yeah. not that, but you're still, I still feel like it's more selling. Whereas I think the thing with, with philosophy, in terms of coaching is just what Emma's talking about. Let it go. Like I'm, you've, you've seen me, I'm, t I can be temperamental, but I'd like to think I'm pretty good at, Hey, the game's over. Mm -hmm. And, and I'm fine to apologize too. Hey, I could have handled that better. I don't, I don't know why I got on you quite that right. to that degree. Um, but I think just the, the, pers the ability to step back and have a perspective more quickly sometimes I, you know, losses eat at you, but they don't have to, you don't have to like immediately impart blame on somebody else. Like you, I try to be reflective. Hey, what, you know, I might've been agitated with Emma or Morgan or Molly during the game, but as soon as the game's over, it's like, God, what did I not do? And, and how did, how were we, were, were we not prepared? Maybe how could we have prepared differently? And what, what in game could I have done? And so I'm, I try to make sure that I, I articulate that to the team. Maybe, maybe it's in the locker room or maybe it's the next day. Hey, we didn't, we didn't have you ready for this. This is on us. You know, I think sometimes with the way youth basketball guys are playing so many games, you don't necessarily get that. You don't get that space. Yeah. You're playing two games in a day or you're playing the next day. You don't get that chance to reflect, I think, at times. And I don't that if yeah. it helps or it hurts. I don't and we talk about that that in, in a lot of cases makes kids less competitive because if I, if I lose my 10 o'clock game, I got another one at one. Yeah. I got another, if I lose my one o'clock game, I got another one at five. Right. Whereas when, when you and I are growing up, 
It's like you played one game a week. <laughs> you lost. You had to hold on to it till the next week. So you have you mentioned um, your sister plays at Colorado State, mm-hmm. and your brother played high school, right? Yep. If you had a three-on-three team, right, two sisters and a brother, mm-hmm. what would be the name of the team? Oh gosh. I wish I could popcorn Hannah in this moment because she's the creative one oh, out okay, of us okay, three. Okay. I don't know. That's a good question, but I'm not creative enough to answer that. <laughs> <laughs> I think if Luke, I think he's lost his shape a little bit. He's 20, <laughs> 23, so back, back in the past. I think we'd be pretty good. I think we'd have, we'd fight a lot. That's what I was wondering. Can you play together? Yeah, we'd fight a lot. Me and Hannah fought a lot when we played together. But then after it was fine. But also, me and Luke fought a lot growing up. Yeah, there'd be a lot of fighting. But we'd be good. We'd be good. <laughs> yeah. Do you do you know what other sport Coach played when he was at Creighton besides basketball? I think golf. A golfer. Good better job. golfer or better uh, basketball player? Oh, geez, not really that good. Coach. Not really that good at either. But uh, yeah, I was a late grower though. I was five four when I started high school. So wow. the fact that I even eventually walked on at Creighton is a yeah. minor miracle because I was right. I was not recruited to play Division three basketball, but I grew yeah. through high school and then even a little in college. Coach Baroni? Baroni, yeah. Okay, yep. so what was it about either what he did or the guys you had? Because I went back and looked. Between 85 and 87, there's about four or five head coaches. Yeah. What, what was it about you guys that ended up going that direction with coaching? Uh, that's a good question. I, I know Todd Eisner yep. grew up. His dad was a coach. Um, and but Porter was not. You know, he was a freshman. Right? I did, and yeah. he was a. I was a senior, and I, you know, I just when people say, "Well, what was he like?" I'm like, "Well, he was an immature, <laughs> fresh, male college freshman." Like, right, right. <laughs> so I didn't necessarily project that he would take a team to the Final Four. Right. Um, he was a little bit. Eisner was a little more serious than Porter was, um, but yeah, it's. It was a, it was a good, it was a good, it was a good crew to be a part of. I mean, yeah. and I was just there with my last two years. What was it like in Omaha at that time for Creighton basketball? How much was? Ooh, not. Not much. No, Tony got it going after I left. Shockingly, <laughs> um, <laughs> but he, you know, the Porter's class and Todd Eisner's class was, you know, by the time they were juniors and seniors, they they were good. And Chad Gallagher, Bob Harstad came in, wow. and and so those guys, they had. Uh, two really good years, I think, and uh, but no, we didn't draw well. We played in the Civic, uh, um, but yeah, I mean, so I was Benoit was Benoit was there my first two years, and so we were okay, you know, talent wise, we were pretty good, but uh, um, but then you know Tony's first couple of years, we weren't very good. You know Benoit Benjamin? No, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> Mm-hmm. Which is impressive. Yeah. Benoit had 400. Oh, wow. Yeah. In his career. So yeah. Michael's from Louisiana and Benoit's from yeah. Monroe, Louisiana. Yeah, that's Louisiana. impressive. Oh, so did you? Yeah. yeah. Okay. West Monroe. Yeah. 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 Definitely. What did you know about Creighton when you committed? What did you know about Omaha? Had you, had you guys traveled here? I mean, it's not very far, but. Yeah, it's definitely not very far. I think I've only been, when I was in high school or being recruited, um, only been here for like AU tournaments. I was never, like, my parents. We never really had like a college team. Like my brother and my dad um, really liked Iowa football, Iowa men's basketball. But me, my mom, my sister never really had any like ties to any college team. So I didn't really know Creighton basketball that well. And I kind of just like learned about the offense 
and the people that are they recruited while I was like doing official visits or going to camps so I never really had that like growing up like having that college team other than just like Iowa football and don't even want to get started on that because my brother loves Iowa football and it's just <laughs> yeah he'll, he'll sometimes text me and say that he couldn't watch my game because he was watching Iowa football oh. yeah but well, wait, I told him that you got he's out of shape now yeah, yeah. <laughs> maybe yeah I'll just tell him I said that right. that means before I let you go do you put together a set of goals going into a season like things you want to accomplish whether it be stats or whatever um no, you know, and I was thinking about that this morning, actually, and uh, we've been kind of a one foot in front of the other type of team, and I think some of that stuff is, is best utilized internally. Like, I think, I mean, I would assume as, as much experience and as much togetherness as we have that, that these guys have goals on, on how good we can be. But we, you know, early in the season, we, you know, in terms of, hey, we want to we want, you know, we want to win the rebounding battle. We want to win the turnover battle. So maybe some individual goals, but, um, you know, it's tough because the, the, there is a cruelty to the NCAA tournament. I mean, I'd I'd like to think that we can compete for a Big East title this year. Um, but you know, if I if you look at the last two years, you know, two years ago we were probably less ready to make an elite run than we elite eight run than we were last year. But that's I said that's the beauty and the cruelty of the tournament is one one. You know, we we beat Iowa by one possession, and uh, we just you know Mississippi State was quite a bit better than us in the first round last year, and so it's just I think to to put your to wrap your goals around what you're going to do in the NCAA tournament sometimes I think is for the outsiders that's that's what they want right for our men's team this year it's like oh they went to the Elite Eight if they don't go to the Final Four this year it's a failure well it's one game and that's that's the you know it's not a best of seven yeah and so I think. You know, I think we can be a great regular season team, and I think we, the goal is to do that and then become a better seed even and get a, get a better opportunity based on that. I always tell young people, my, my uncle coached at Georgetown, and that 82 team was yeah. probably the best team with young Patrick, and they lost with Freddie Brown throwing the ball away. Yeah. 83, you, you lose a couple games and you don't get as far. In 84, you finally win it. Yeah. And then 85, you lose to Villanova. Yeah. <laughs> a great team won one championship. Yeah. It just shows you how difficult it is yeah. to win it all. One night. And one night, exactly. Goals for you? Um, Really, I just want to have fun this year and just be um, together. I also, like, on the court, statistics-wise, I want to have more assists and turnovers. I know – I think I had a positive assist-turnover ratio, yep. at least I hope, last year. Yeah. But I just really kind of want to be um, focused on, like – more facilitating the offense because we do have so many scores and so much talent on this team whether it's underclassmen or upperclassmen so i kind of just want that to be one of my priorities this year is just get my assist numbers up and have fun, <laughs> have fun. yeah if you, usually when you're winning you're yeah winning. yeah so those go together yep yeah coach we appreciate it. thanks for taking the time thanks. yeah thanks for having great us. to be with you michael Welcome back to Let It Fly Show. We appreciate Coach Flan and Emma Ronsick joining us to talk more about the season coming up and, of course, a lot of other things as well. We thank them for coming in to Let It Fly Show Studios. As I mentioned earlier, Nebraska plays Maryland 11 a.m. in the morning on Peacock. Do you have Peacock, Meg? Do you have Peacock, Mac? Oh, you got to order Peacock, $5.99. There are a lot of sports bars out there, by the way, that won't have it because it costs a lot. Um, last thing I heard was about $6,000 if you wanted to put it in a sports bar. Now, I'm almost positive you come and let it fly 11 a.m. Saturday morning. 
Nebraska, Maryland will be on here. Don't worry about that. If you come here, it'd be awesome. Uh, so we'll get to the keys. As always, we do the keys. Number one key is make diamonds, don't bust pipes. Have you ever heard the quote before where they say pressure's a good thing? Because pressure can make diamonds, but it also can burst pipes. You don't want that to happen. You got to pressure Tungle You got to get up the middle. He's a shorter quarterback. You press him up the middle. He can't climb the pocket. You make him get out of the pocket and make plays. The interior offensive line is not very good for Maryland. I had a chance to watch three of their games. They give up a lot of pressure up front. Ty Robinson and Nash Hutmaker have to have big games, huge games. And then the young defensive guys, hopefully Prince Well will play. He's coming off the concussion. James Williams, the young transfer from Iowa Central. Um, those guys have to do a lot. They got to get Jamari Butler. They have to make big plays because we talk about how much they pass the ball. And as I said earlier, 12 sacks given up in the last two weeks. So you can get after this offensive line. And know this, you lose four games in a row. They come here. It's early in the morning at 11 o'clock. It's going to be a little colder than it is back in Maryland. And if they get down early, you never know what can happen to a team's psyche. So, again, you got to apply some pressure. Number two, here's another quote. It's for you, Meg. It's a quote that you need, right? The question is, do you know what the future is? And I answer it by saying the future is a bunch of what you're doing right now all strung together. That's what the future is. The future needs to be Nebraska kicking the ball in the end zone. you got to kick the ball in the end zone. If you mess around and don't get touchbacks, I mentioned him earlier, Wislowski will get after you. That kid is a great returner. Brendan Wislowski, remember that name, had a 98-yard kickoff return earlier in the season. He had a 34-yard and a couple of them that almost got there, so you have to watch out for that. Nebraska has done well on kickoff coverage. They're only allowing 16 yards of return. It's 25th in the country, but they're one of the worst in the Big Ten in getting touchbacks. So the future for Nebraska needs to be kicking the ball into the end zone and getting some touchbacks. And the last one, one last quote. If you are a runner, you've heard this before. Tough runs don't last. Tough runners do. Okay? If it's a tough run, don't worry. If you're tough, you'll be able to last it. Heinrich Harburg had a bad game last week trying to throw the ball. Had a couple of nice runs, but was really bad throwing the ball. Probably his worst game so far here at Nebraska. Well, let's not worry about that. Maryland has a weakness against quarterback run. Over the last three weeks, not against great running quarterbacks, they've given up 31 rushes for 164 total yards. That's 5.2 yards a carry and 54 yards a game. This is the best running quarterback they've gone against all season in Heinrich Harburg. Flush all that behind you. Tough runs don't last. Tough runners do. He's got to go out there. He's got to run the ball, make plays. The next day, he needs to be in the ice tub, in the sauna, everything, because he's run the ball so much. I feel much more comfortable with him running the ball than I do him dropping back to pass. So, we need Heidrich Harburg running the heck out of the ball. Again, three keys. Pressure up the middle against Tungavailoa. Got to do that. Kick the ball in the end zone for touchbacks. You don't want them returning it. And lastly, you got to make sure that Heinrich Harburg gets his run game right. That would make all the difference. My prediction in the game, the line I use has Maryland winning by six. Now, that's a neutral field. At Nebraska, coming off the game they just played, I think they had a tough week of practice. Being at home, I think Nebraska wins a close one. 24-23 is what I picked on Big Red Wrap-Up earlier in the week. Nebraska winning and becoming bowl eligible. That's the hope that that happens. Uh, coming up next week on the Let It Fly show, I believe we're going to have starting quarterback Heinrich Harburg. 
At least that's what the executive producer told me. I don't know. He, he's not always great. But anyway, hopefully next week it be Heinrich Harburg. Special thanks to our executive producer, Phil McLean. Hold on a second. <coughs> He'll cut that out. Uh, Creighton basketball coach um, Jim Flannery joining us, and also thanks to Emma Ronsack for joining us as well. I mentioned Phil McLean. Where's Noval, huh? Noval? Okay. Mac Pittman, both technical director and production coordinator, and our social media maven, Meg. Thank you very much. And also for chiming, chiming in a little bit as well. I want to remind everybody, it's never a bad time to give Omaha Steaks for a gift. And again, as I said last week, Thanksgiving is just around the corner. You don't want to have to make all that food and have to do all those dishes and buy all that stuff. One spot is Omaha Steaks. You go to Omaha Steaks, they've got three different deals for both a turkey and a non-turkey Thanksgiving meal. You go there, it makes your tea day perfect. You got to do it quickly, though, because it's coming up very soon. Go to omahasteaks.com and look up Turkey Day, Thanksgiving, and you will find some great specials there. Uh, You get sides, you get desserts, and the main bird as well, or the ham as well. So check that out. Again, thanks for joining us this week. And as Josh would say, for Josh Jones and Michael Severe, this is the Let It Fly Show. (laughs) Thank <laughs> you.